It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. GC Live on a Wednesday afternoon. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. We are brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com, 803-926-1493, home of the game day chair. We'll tell you a bit more about them later on, but of course, all of our shows are brought to you and sponsored by AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Happy Major League Baseball playoffs. I actually wonder, Chris, if we might even have a slightly lesser crowd listening or watching today if people are doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is watching the Braves and or their other favorite team play right now. Yep. Currently nothing to nothing for the Braves and the Reds as right before we went on air. And I'm assuming just because the way things go for us that the Braves are either going to have a big positive thing happen right while we're doing this or a really bad thing happened right while we're doing this. So, But so far, for those of you who are Braves fans, I'm sure you're probably watching, listening, paying attention, but a uh, pitcher's duel so far with Max Freed and Trevor Bauer dueling it out right now. But, all right, so Gamecocks, Florida, obviously we'll be talking quite a bit about that today. I've got some audio from the SEC teleconference. Will Muschamp sort of giving another little take on the Gators and – you know, essentially what I'm going to play is his take on Kyle Trask because I, I think one thing that's been very, very apparent to me, Chris, is Muschamp's respect for Kyle Trask, I, I think, for, for a number of reasons. And then uh, we're going to do something new. We're going to have our Recruit of the Week, which uh, this week I actually have two Recruits of the Week. And the beautiful thing about um, technology de- these days is that most of these kids put their highlights week to week on huddle every week now. So you can go back and, and sort of watch them. So we're going to start a little recruit of the week. Um, I guess feature we'll, we'll do every week. So we're going to do that. Uh, Chris, what's going on with you, man? Do you remember? I just randomly uh, thought about this. I'm doing the same thing as you, by the way, sort of watching the Braves game. Mine is on the side, not that high up. And so if you see our eyes wondering, that is what we are doing. Um, trying to check out the Braves too. Just watched your doppelganger. Unfortunately, strike out right before we came on and stranded Acuna. But that's all right. Hopefully, they'll get something going. I thought it was going to be a flashback to last year, that first inning. Mm-hmm. It, was looking, it was looking bad. But uh, do you remember, speaking of highlight tape availability, like did you ever get highlight – it wasn't tapes or not that old, but CDs like in the mail back in the day? Like did anybody – I used to get some. We would have to like get a CD. I mean, that's like unfathomable now, you know. Um, everything's online. It's really cool. And it's it's even getting to the point where it's like every week. It's not even like junior highlights or like a mid-year highlight. It's like, here's this game, here's this game. So it's pretty cool and really allows us to check more kids out. Other than that, just uh, gearing up coverage on Gamecock Central for Florida Week, already midway through the week. So pretty excited about that and a lot of stuff that we got going on on the site right now. Yeah, uh, for the person asking my – Doppelganger is uh, Travis Darno uh, for the Braves. 
But yeah, good matchup so far. And, you know, I, I think the more we sort of dive into this Florida game, the more it seems very apparent. Um, a, there's a lot of respect for, you know, from Muschamp for this Florida offense and Dan Mullen and, and what he does on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, I, I think also just a, a, a matchup that we, we talk about margin for error. And this week, probably even greater than, or even smaller, I should say, technically, yeah. than the week before. Uh, the margin for error, the path to victory, going to be a very small one for South Carolina. But that doesn't mean you can't win the game. We, we've seen it. And in this early season of college football, um, I think we've seen it even a bit more than, than normal so far is that, you know, teams are – some teams are losing games that, that maybe they aren't expected to. So we'll see if South Carolina can do that this weekend. Uh, going down to Gainesville, first road game of the year. By the way, if you are a Gamecock Central subscriber or you're not, uh, be sure to check our front page. Eric Kimry's debut column called Struggle Well. Really good stuff from him. We'll have a weekly column from EK throughout the year, um, throughout the season, of course, uh, former Gamecocks quarterback, uh, fade-in podcast host, and also head coach over at Hammond which is about five minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. So not a subscriber, use code Kimry, Kimry, you get 60% off that. And Chris, so first of all, let's get into the little bit of news from today. Muschamp on the SEC teleconference did say that it appears Izzy Mukwamu, Jamar Brown are going to be good to go. He, as he usually is, or usually does, did say a whole lot. But he was asked, um, you know, did those guys play or practice today? How did they look in practice? He said they looked fine. I think technically they probably still are day-to-day. He didn't go to the extent of saying that they will definitely play on Saturday. But it seems to be some positive move, you know, positive news moving forward for those two guys. And I think that's obviously – potentially a big deal for South Carolina when you just look at sort of the matchup aspects of this game. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really important. You know, I think the most important thing in this game is going to be finding a way to try to get some pressure on Kyle Trask. Like Muschamp mentioned, he's been very complimentary of Kyle Trask for good reason. I mean, after what he did last season, you know, coming back in that game and uh, playing really well down the stretch. You know, you look at what they did against Ole Miss. It's very impressive. They can spread the ball around. They can do a lot of things. But Trask has a really good pocket presence. They've got to find a way to affect him. But they have some guys out on the edge who can make you pay. You know, Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's the number one guy you got to look at. Eight catches, four touchdowns against Ole Miss. Huge question mark in the game, right? But you've also got Jacob Copeland and Trevon Grimes, and you got a run attack for Florida that can be pretty diverse and something Dan Mullen likes to do. So certainly looking at when you're looking at playing better in terms of not allowing as many explosive plays potentially, when you're looking at trying to shore up the secondary in terms of making sure you've got everybody healthy, I think that's a key. But beyond that, beyond even just his availability, I sort of wondering about the configuration. We saw, saw Jalen Dickerson running around out there on Saturday against Tennessee and West from what we saw, he looked pretty good, looked pretty active, which was nice to see just for him as a kid, somebody who's dealt with so many injuries throughout his career. Uh, will he play more? Will it be Shiloh Sanders more? Will they configure some things in other different ways, uh, play more matchups? You know, I'll be curious to see that. And so uh, it's definitely going to be, you know, one of the keys in this game is just trying to be able to match up 
and probably, man, have to be able to match up man-to-man in, in certain situations in this game to get some pressure on Trask. Yeah, no doubt. And um, one, one thing, Muschamp, I, I like the way he said it. I don't know that I've necessarily heard this phrase or terminology used, but he said that um, you, you basically have to cover them. You have to cover them twice. And that essentially means that – and Muschamps talks about – and I, I'm sorry, y'all. We're, I'm watching this. That, play, that was so weird. What? <laughs> yeah, there, I got there's a rundown and like an old school little league pickle going <laughs> on in the Braves game right now as the Braves get out of the seventh with uh, no damage done. All right, sorry. Focus back to back. The people listening on the podcast on the recorded version of this are going to be like, "What is wrong with these idiots?" But okay, Trask does a great job of sort of delivering the ball off platform, extending plays, getting the ball to his guys, even if it's not necessarily on that first read or or even not even necessarily the first, second, or third read. It's more the reads are done. Let's throw those out of the window. I'm going to extend out, and I'm going to yep. keep my eyes downfield. And Muschamp yep. described it as you have to cover these guys twice when you're in man coverage, which I thought was a very um, sort of unique but accurate way to say it. So before we move on, Something I want to do more of in the show is sort of interject with some audio or video from uh, various press conferences when we're talking about those things. So if you want to see, or I should say hear, the entire SEC teleconference audio that is on our YouTube, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. But I've grabbed just the clip of Muschamp talking about Kyle Trask. And the thing that stood out to me, you and I always talk about reading Muschamp's body language or, you know, who does he mention first? Sometimes you can even tell how much he wants to talk about something from how long he decides to actually talk about something. So when he went into great detail about Trask and I would say about the Florida offense, that tells me there is a a great deal of mutual respect for these guys and what they do. So here is Muschamp. This was maybe two hours ago on the SEC call-in teleconference talking about Trask and that Florida offense. Well, there's just one game, and I, he played really well. Um, so I, I've been number one. You got to be—I don't know Kyle personally, but you got to be impressed with him as a young man. Uh, you know, of of sticking it out and, and, and battling through it, and, and obviously, guy that's got some ability and some belief in himself, and uh, and said, you know, if I'll get my opportunity, I'm gonna make it count. He got his opportunity, and one man's misfortunes, another man's opportunity. He took advantage of it. So obviously, has a good mental. Uh, disposition about himself obviously some tough mental toughness to be able to do that so uh, but again I, I think that he's very accurate with the football in my opinion I, I just watching him over the last two seasons he is very good in, in pocket presence he buys time for himself he's a big man he's 6'5 240 uh, he, he moves around well but he does a really good job of buying time in the pocket of evading the rush of feeling the rush uh, moving his feet uh, buying time, and, and he's always got his, his eyes downfield. And that's the one thing you saw in, in the Saturday's game, which was no different than before. He does a really good job of creating what I call off-rhythm plays, where in man coverage you got to cover him twice, in zone coverage you got to stay in coverage, and, uh, and and taking the ball where he needs to. And several times before half, he checks it down to the back, and, and uh, Ole Miss is playing in zone coverage, and 
creating space for some some really good guys in space like uh, Pierce and, and Davis and, and uh, Wright and those guys they got in the backfield. So I just think he has a very good command of the offense. I think he runs the offense extremely well. I think he has arm talent to make the, the, the all the throws he needs to make, and he's got a very good understanding and a very good supporting cast. He's also got four seniors on the offensive line. Uh, I think he had one sack, maybe, and that was a, a, a covered sack as much as anything. I mean, that, he held the ball for a while, uh, but you got a guy like Kyle Pitts out there, and then uh, Grimes is a bigger receiver, and Tony's a, a kind of guy that can do some different things, and Copeland's a, a tough cover. So, I mean, they've got and they got some young guys coming, Henderson and, the, and that group. But uh, now again, I just think he's an overall a really good football player, a really good quarterback. I think he's got the mental and the physical traits that you want to have at the position. Yeah, so the, again, man, like I said, Muschamp, very complimentary of those guys. And I, I think very open and honest about the task that is, uh, you know, upon this team. And, and then, you know, I think, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what, what exactly are we going to talk about today as opposed to just South Carolina, Florida, how we're going to sort of break this thing up. And to me, the I mean, these games always come down to matchups, right? And I'm very curious to see, and something we've had our, our listeners and watchers and viewers mention, is how exactly do you choose to cover Kyle Pitts? And, you know, this this to me, this is a Florida a Florida offense. We, we can't really read into one game, but – Looking back to last year, they actually struggled to run the football. If you if you go back two years, um, they were really probably one of the most balanced offenses you will literally ever see. Like they averaged, I can't remember the exact number, man, but it's like they literally averaged the exact same yardage per game, passing and running. Last year, it was completely skewed to the passing side. So we do know Dan Mullen – He's going to adjust and just do what his team does well. Well, this year, is it going to be as this year plays out, more like last year where it's pass, 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 or is it going to be more of a balanced attack? I do think somebody had asked earlier in the week, Chris, does South Carolina play more dime? Do you put more athletes on the field? Do you? Does that give you a chance to better match up with some of these guys? I would say absolutely yes. But – the other side of that is, does that now put you in a position to not be able to stop the run and, you know, not be able to do something that maybe otherwise would have been a positive in your favor? So you can't put all those athletes on the field at the expense of the run game. But some some of the other, the other side of that, man, is that we know there's going to be a backup will linebacker playing that position. So do you just sort of bite the bullet, say we're going to put – athletes on the field and do everything you can to sort of match up. And if that means it hurts you a little bit in the run game, then you're just going to have to count on an R.J. Roderick or a Jamar Brown if he's back to step up and make some plays for you in the run game. For sure. You know, I think one of Florida's own players put it pretty well when you, when you start looking at some of these matchups, especially with Pitts and some of these receivers, what Travis can do, pick your poison is what he said. And so – when you're sort of laying it out, Wes, how are you going to play it? What are you trading off? Florida, you know, Ole Miss, are they going to be very good defensively? Probably not. <laughs> Basically, certainly they weren't last week. It was one game. Maybe some of the offenses, Dan Mullen, you mentioned this last show, Wes, 
thinks that offenses are in general ahead of defenses at a lot of places because of how things have been structured with practice and all that. Uh, so what you got to look at is, you know, even though Florida, they put up, a, I mean, both teams in that Florida Ole Miss game put up 600 yards on the other team. Kyle Trash threw for six touchdowns. He was 74% completion, you know, but they ran for 6.8 a carry. They were still, they could have been pretty balanced probably, you know, so it was more pass to set up the run when they ran it. They're pretty darn successful there too. So yeah, it is tough. This is something we saw last year. You know, South Carolina started playing more regular last season because they felt like even when they needed to be in nickel for coverage reasons, they felt like they were not playing perimeter runs well defensively. And they felt like they weren't playing the perimeter screen game wide receivers very well either because they felt like they were getting blocked at the nickel position too often. And so what will it be in this game? What will the game plan be? And then will that game plan have to change as things progress? Here's what I do know. You know, I, I would think probably more dime ideally. But you got to look at what Dan Mullen throws out at you. You got to look at, is he throwing out some eye candy, doing some different things with formations to get you off rhythm? What I do know is the biggest key in this game in terms of matchups to me isn't even looking at pits and the receivers. It's up front. South Carolina has got to find a way defensively to turn in a really good performance against the Florida front because that's going to help in the run game. And you've got to get Cal um, Trask off rhythm to some degree. Like Muschamp said, he's he's good at creating those off rhythm plays outside the pocket, you know. But he's not looking to run. He's not that dual threat in that sense. When he's scrambling out, he's looking to buy time. Okay, and that does make it tougher to cover it. Cover guys twice, as Muschamp said. What they're going to have to do is create instantly some pressure. Look at these numbers from last week. PFF for those of you who members of GameCockCentral.com, we got PFF stuff all the time. But here's an interesting one, you know. Trash pretty much had his way with Ole Miss. He was 74% or I'm sorry, 71% for the game, six touchdowns, no picks. When he was under pressure in the game, he was 60%. He was pressured only looks like 11 times with 10 pass, pass attempts. When he wasn't pressured, he was 75% and five touchdowns. And he wasn't pressured 32 times, you know? So you look out of he was he was only under pressure about a quarter of the time and he still performed well, but it just goes to show that if South Carolina is not getting any movement up front, if Florida is able to be balanced, if Trask can just stand back there, it's going to be a really long day. So that that's why, to me, with matchups, I look at Carolina's front four, and then the front five for Florida. Yeah, and I, I think um, and by the way, I, I see we're going to get to all the questions here. We definitely want to hit questions uh, in today's show i see some good ones but one one thing i've noticed man and again we're taking we're trying to take one game you know and read into everything right but this florida offensive line actually comes into the season with um not near high as expectations as there was for this Tennessee O-line that South Carolina faced this past week. Now, as Will Muschamp pointed out, this is also a Florida offensive line that brings back pretty much everybody from last year. So you do have increased experience. I was doing some some just looking around online earlier about what were the expectations for this Florida O-line coming into the season. You know, Cole Kubelik had them um, – as his his fifth best offensive line in the SEC as far as what he was projecting for this year. Again, 
they did struggle in the running game some last year. If you just go by and, and the, the PFF stuff, I think is good. It is especially good, I think, for the stuff you're talking about, like um, finding easily finding how many times was this guy pressured, how many pressures did this individual give up, um, how many targets, you know, Shai Smith getting targeted 15 times, had 10 catches. I love it for stuff like that. The actual grades sometimes I think are a little bit iffy, particularly with defensive guys it seems like. But so I went through Florida's grades from last week, and much like how Will Muschamp says he needs a little bit more out of South Carolina's right side um, offensively, Florida's right side, their right tackle and their right guard, um, struggled both from a grade standpoint and from a number of pressures given up standpoint. So a lot of that pressure um, was coming from two spots on, on the offensive line. So I think what that means, you look at the right side of Florida's offensive line versus what is then the left side of South Carolina's front, which many times is where J.J. Nagbare is coming off the edge. I think it sets up uh, for him to potentially have a big game. I think he needs to have a big game. And if I'm South Carolina, I think you're maybe doing some more, giving some different looks with a Brad Johnson potentially. Muschamp hinted at that. Got to get Brad Johnson more involved in the pass rush part of the game. So maybe if you can get them in third and long, you know, you you get him out there on the edge a little bit more because he can play Buck um, on top of his role there at the Sam linebacker spot. Because I don't really, Chris, foresee the Sam itself being involved a whole lot this week, you know. So if you want Brad Johnson on the field, you're probably going to have to mix him in in some other areas. And then, um, dude, I, I think maybe get, getting a Jordan Birch situationally involved a little bit more and just sort of much like we talk about Grantham for those guys dialing up exotic blitzes in the right in the right situation, I think you're going to have to give them some different looks. But if you do, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that South Carolina can have some success with their defensive front against Florida's offensive line. Um, are they going to sack Trask five or six times? No, because he's too good at getting rid of the ball. But it's really more about forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do than it is actually getting him on the ground, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, you look at sacks – you know, the metrics. I mean, some people the other night talking about, and, and there were legitimate things for sure to be worried about with South Carolina's defensive line, the, the driver they got tempoed, some of the longer runs. You know, when I say long runs, I think Tennessee's longest runs are like 20 yards, but some of the eight-yard runs, the nine-yard runs, the seven-yard runs on first down particularly, there's some things that they got to clean up there. But I think, you know, Jared Garantano said after that game he felt under pressure sometimes, even when Carolina didn't get a sack, he sailed some throws. That's what you have to do to affect Trask. You got to try to get him out of the pocket. And when you do get him out of the pocket, they do need to get him down or try to create a turnover, make him, you know, throw the ball before he's ready because he is pretty good at improvising. He's not super, super athletic, but he's smart and he does a really good job of getting rid of it, like you said, Wes. So I, I think, again, that is a huge key. Can, can they take advantage of any perceived weakness there? Um, and can they get them in some of those third down situations where maybe they can turn some guys loose and see if they can make a game changing play? Because that's exactly what they're going to need in this game. All right. I do want to hit a couple of questions here, Chris. Uh, someone asked about Eric Shaw. Will he play on either side of the ball? Um, right now he is, he is at tight end. 
Um, he's he's actually he's actually not hurt anymore. He has he has been practicing. He's been out there for what I've heard has has played well. Um, we'll just have to see when uh, you know he's ready to sort of get into that mix. And I, I think that that's a question a lot of people have, Chris, is how quickly and and we as media and fans. We always want the young guys to be out there a little bit faster than they're ready, right? That's always the push. Get him out there. Get him out there. Get him out there. He'll be out there when he's ready. Now, there has I, I saw someone on here, and somebody yesterday was just spamming the chat with the words shallow Sanders, like play shallow Sanders. And we've had people, why is the carry on joiner not playing? Well, both both the carry on joiner. And Shiloh Sanders actually both were in, on the field a lot. Uh, started. Like, yeah, both started. Uh, <laughs> Shiloh was sort of we, – we talked about who's going to be the fifth DB. Shiloh, he was the guy. He was the fifth DB. He started at safety. And um, so Shiloh, actually, if you, if you look at the snap count, if you look uh, – you know, that, that's one thing as I've watched more and more football, I try to look at the personnel pretty much every given play when I can tell – now, the SEC Network, as I've complained about on Twitter, is using a much tighter camera view this year. makes it very difficult to see coverages, some formational alignments defensively. But, you know, I, I think th- those guys are playing. Shy was in on a couple of plays. Um, the carry-on really didn't get, I would say, I don't know, if maybe he had one target potentially, um, if that. Rico Powers got a few snaps. He had a target down the sideline, but it was a fade ball that was that was thrown basically out of the field of play. But I mean, I get it. You want everybody wants to see the young guys. As the year goes on, you're going to see more and more of those young guys. I think both defensively and offensively, and and we'll just have to see how how all that plays out. But Chris, um, you want to tell everybody before we roll on into uh, there's some more questions here I want to get to. Let's roll into those questions, but first tell everybody about the game day chair from Affordable Medical USA. And I wish I was in my game day chair, maybe with a Columbia craft in hand, uh, mm. watching the Braves game right now. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll tell you what, the game day chair, this desk I have in my corner, it, it wouldn't even fit. I got to find another spot for it because this thing is big and it is super comfortable. So game day chair, it could be a game day chair, but it could be a Braves on a Wednesday at noon, playoff game chair, any kind of chair. But we call it the game day chair because it's what you need to be watching football at home on Saturday, whether it's a Gamecock home game, maybe it's harder to get tickets this year, which we know it is, an away game. Make sure you check this thing out, affordablemedicalusa.com. It is the Maxi Comfort with Twilight Technology, Twilight Technology being a zero-gravity position. So you see it up on the left corner if you're on YouTube. Um, you see the picture of it there. Go to affordablemedicalusa.com and search for it, the Maxi Comfort with Twilight Um a variety of positions, lumbar support, power pillow, most comfortable chair probably that you've ever sat in. Or you can call 803-926-1493. If you're on YouTube, we have a link down there in the description for this video. And if you're on GamecockCentral.com, you just click on the GC Live content item. We've also got a link in there. So we appreciate their support. Make sure you check it out. Our friend Josh, haven't seen him on the on the chat comments here today, but he was inquiring about the possibility of putting a mini fridge underneath the game day chair, which I'm all for. Sounds super comfortable. Sounds awesome. So check those guys out, and we appreciate everybody taking a look at the game day chair. And we appreciate everybody that joins us. Um, 
here fairly uh, consistently on YouTube Live, Facebook, Twitter, and on our podcast. Please, uh, please, please rate, review, subscribe on the podcast end, and please uh, subscribe and like us on YouTube and, and all that good stuff. I want to continue to go through some of these questions here. Then we're going to get to our recruit of the day. And uh, then we may cut it a little bit short today. Uh, I know we both have somewhere to be. So uh, Mac and Dino podcast joining us. Appreciate you guys being on again. And and uh, here's Mac's comment, uh, by the way. I rewatched the game last night. Cam Smith had some bad plays, et cetera, but I think he also had some good plays in the game as well. What is your thought? Man, I tell you, and this is something we talked about right after, you know, on Monday and sort of our breakdown of the game. To me, unfortunately for Cam, Chris, it just happened to be some very high-profile, easy-to-spot mistakes, right? If a freshman, let's just say random defensive tackle, gets knocked out of his gap five times, <laughs> even even a really just smart football watcher probably isn't going to notice that unless they're a former defensive lineman or it's just a brutal, they're just getting knocked way down the field, right? Um, if the, the bust on the flea flicker, if right after that play and even after the game, if I said who busted that play, I I couldn't have told you at the time. Now, ap- after Muschamp said our flat defender rushed the quarterback and I rewatched the game and I saw a defender inch out into the flat and then change his mind and rush towards the quarterback, then I can tell you who busted. But – it just so happened that the P.I. call on the edge, which, again, I think a lot of times young cornerbacks, they have to have patience, right? He, he's in phase for the most part. Like, he's there. He's running with the receiver. But you see, I think one thing any of these guys can learn from J.C. Horn, especially J.C. Horn as a sophomore, and I'm sure this year as a junior, when, when they try to go deep on him, he, he knows that he's got good coverage. He's confident in his coverage ability, and he's confident to make a play on the ball. I think even Rashad Fenton, who's now, I think, starting in the NFL, for, for a lot of his career, he struggled with just not being quite patient enough on a ball down the field and trusting either you're going to bat it down or even the, the great cornerback, Stephon Gilmore. How many – Incomplete passes that Stefan Gilmore create because he fights the ball all the way to the end of the potential reception. Even if the wide receiver has the ball into his hands and hasn't brought it in yet, the great corners are still following through and punching the ball out, right? Well, I think with Cam, a lot of this stuff is extremely correctable. This is a redshirt freshman playing in a meaningful SEC game defensively for the first time in his career. He got into some games last year, mostly mop-up, certainly not in the scenario he was in Saturday night. Cam's still extremely athletic, has great size for the position. He's going to be fine. And I'm sure there were multiple plays where he did have good coverage on his guy. He did do his job. But when when you're following the ball, tracking the ball – you, you don't you know you don't notice it you, you only notice the plays that just unfortunately for cam happen to be yep. um, game changing type 
plays. So for especially a casual fan, it's very easy to be like, oh, nine messed up again. But I agree with, with Mac and uh, and those guys, and, and I sort of made the same point. I, I think with Cam, it's time to just for everybody to move on, and Cam is going to be counted on this year, right? He might be counted on this Saturday. So he's got to put this behind him. But I, I still firmly believe Cam um, is going to be a really good player here. And, Chris, as you pointed out, I think Monday's show, we sometimes – and I, I I would like to say our coverage of Cam Smith as a prospect, we tried to tell people this is a very high upside kid, but there is some development here to go. Mm-hmm. When he was in high school, so it, it's a process, man. And not not everybody can be J.C. Horn just come in and play outstanding as a true freshman. So I'm still 100 percent on board with Cam. He's going to be fine. And it just happened to be that those were some very high profile misses. Yeah, and and we did try to set that. I think it was a it was an issue with Cam. It's an issue with some other prospects that come along every now and then in terms of people. You know, they'll sort of blow up the well, the expectations of a prospect in general and then how quickly that prospect should make an impact. I mean, we got this question a ton last year. Why is Cam Smith not ready? And we sort of said, we said during the recruiting process that he's talented, high upside, he has the tools, but he's probably not going to be ready year one. So it wasn't really a surprise, right? And so when he does get his first significant action, it's also not a surprise, shouldn't be a surprise that – there were some plays that didn't go his way in the first SEC game. Um, and, and I used this example, I think, on the show yesterday, but definitely in some conversations we had. I remember people just absolutely bagging on Stefan Gilmore, who you brought up earlier. It's probably the best corner in the league, one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. He had some bad plays. Now, not all of them were his fault because people didn't know sometimes who was responsible for who, whatever it may have been. But that happened, and he continually developed – Cam Smith playing in his first real, you know, big action, very important action. You know, yeah, he had some struggles, but he did. I, I watched specifically on some plays. He did have good coverage. No, nobody's going to remember those plays as much unless there's, say, an interception or the ball comes off somebody, whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, he's. It, it's not like you look at him and you go, he just doesn't have the physical tools. I, I think they are there. He does still have some work to continue to do, but he can get better. Um, was it good in that first game? No. Um, but there's a lot of players are in that same boat because South Carolina didn't win the game. And so he'll just have to continue to get better. And, and the good news is I think that he can. So, Yep, Mary and R26, uh, listening to us in Somerville. Appreciate you listening. I uh, appreciate all of our viewers and listeners here on the show. We had a question earlier uh, from Corey Bridges, which I think is former Gamecock Corey Bridges potentially. We've had some former players on here quite a bit, by yeah. the way. Um, by Also, by the way, Levante Valentine. Some people were asking me after they saw Levante. He came in twice on our show, like back-to-back days last week. You know, what was Levante up to? He's actually running track on scholarship at South Florida now. So I had reached out, checked on him. Um, you know, I think he was excited to see everybody sort of checking on him there in the comments, I'm sure. And uh, Levante doing great. Um, I think uh, did some track here at South Carolina as well and is doing it there on scholarship. So really happy for him. Um, but, yeah, Corey, I'm, I'm going to let you take this one, Chris, and then we're going to get to our recruit of, recruits of the week this week. 
what is the biggest improvement that needs to be made coming from week one into week two for South Carolina? Um, that again from Corey Bridges there on Facebook. You know what? I, I don't know if this is as measurable. I think it's winning the turnover margin battle, whether that's South Carolina. It really to, to win the margin, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to go both ways. That means Carolina's got to be able to get the ball off somebody, create at least a turnover, and they got to take better care of it offensively. You know, Will Muschamp pointed to that after the game. Jeremy Pruitt pointed to it as the reason that they won that game last week. South Carolina had two turnovers. Tennessee didn't have any. You know, the, the one that they had were South Carolina on the, on the punt play that went awry for Tennessee. Tennessee was about to give the ball back to South Carolina anyway on a punt. It was just really a field position thing that South Carolina didn't take advantage of. So Tennessee forced two Gamecock turnovers, and uh, one of them, you know, special teams play at the end of the game, one of them, uh, was also a uh, a pick six. And so when you lose it two to nothing in the turnover margin and when you have one of them as a pick six, it's going to be hard to win a game against an evenly matched team. You know, the line's bigger on this one um, for good reason. Florida's, I think, a more dangerous offensive team, and they got a lot of athletes defensively too. So it's going to be a tall order to go down Gainesville and win. So I think it's turnover margin. That's That's the area that – and we could say that for a lot of the, the games last year, you know, and even in 18, it's an area they got to get better in. They got to start doing it this week. I think it's going to take a, a nice, you know, win in that turnover margin column to be able to have a chance of winning the game at the end. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, had a question here. Do you think the running backs that there will ultimately be some separation? I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I was listening to um, our buddies over at 107.5 and, and some people calling in this week about that very thing, about who who did you think looked best. And the funny thing was there were callers who backed all three guys. You know, some callers yeah. were like, man, I thought I think Kevin Harris needs the ball more. Some were like, I think Deshaun Fenwick needs the ball more. Some were like, man, if that's a Quandre White can get a seam, he's the guy that needs to be on the field. So I think that – that sort of tells me that for right now, it's still just going to be sort of by committee, I think. So we'll see. Ultimately, would you like for one guy to step up and sort of take on, you know, take leadership of that of that spot? Yes. But for right now, um, you know, I, I would say no. We sort of got to wait and see. All right. So we're running out of time here. I want to get to our recruits of the week. I know, Chris, you've been doing the feature on Gamecock Central message board and Two guys stuck out stuck out to me, and those of you who are listening uh, will have to go check these uh, videos out on Huddle. For those of you who are watching, I'm about to pull them up right now. But, Chris, first of all, our guy T.J. Sanders, who I would say the first thing you notice here, man, is that T.J. is just another in another world – compared to some of the athletes that he's playing against. But yeah. what did he tell you, man? He had four sacks. He had a blocked field goal or extra point. He scored a touchdown. Yeah. And they, yeah. they've got the 280-pound defensive lineman running the wildcat here um, yeah. and running it well. I mean, TJ, there's going to be an adjustment for this kid coming up to the SEC level. But our, our friends at Marion, dude, I'll, I'll give them credit. They're like, we're going to use this guy, use all of his abilities, right, and a really big first game for T.J. Sanders, the South Carolina commitment. 
Yeah, this guy's really interesting, man. I mean, going into what was his second year of football, basketball player by trade. So he, he's still really growing his game. And uh, really last year, you know, really popped off the screen playing football for the first time. And you're right. I mean, the competition level is not as good um, as, you know, 4A, 5A. Um, but he's a guy that you can see he's got the size, he can move. Um, there's a there's a lot of upside with him. So really productive day for me. I think it was four sacks or four and a half sacks. Got to carry the ball in a touchdown. I think you'll see the the block kick here. So he he is on another level in terms of size and that size to athleticism ratio. But a really good day for him on Friday. Really good night, rather. And I'm I'm curious to see that. That's a guy I want to get out and see, man, and, and actually yeah. see him. His basketball tape, which we played on the show a while back. That was that was when I was like, man, this guy is a freak athlete. And South Carolina very excited about him. He he really he was never he never quite even got to that point. I thought he might as far as as a recruit. He picked up you know a couple other SEC offers, some ACC offers. Didn't quite completely blow up the way I thought he might. But when we first instantly were told, hey, South Carolina is about to offer this guy, look out for him. We knew then he was a not just one of those fallback targets, right? But a true primary target for for South Carolina. So I know they're very happy to have him. And Chris, I don't know if you have his numbers right in front of you. Do you have your thread up? Um, but our next guy, which will probably be featured on many of these shows, has got to be Gunnar Stockton, who scored a ton of touchdowns as he always did. I think he went. Over 100 rushing again, some big big numbers in the passing game, as always. And if I can get to the screen here for you folks, these are his highlights from last week as well. Hopefully y'all can see that. But, uh, dude, do you have yep. the numbers for young Gunner? Yes, and <laughs> someone asking how many, how many Cs on the thickness – of Gunner, I think that was Brian Beatty. It, it would be uh, approximately eleven for me. Um, six one, two twenty or so is what Jay Bo Shaw told me. I believe on the on the night of uh, Gunner's commitment a while back, fourteen of twenty two, two hundred eighteen yards, three touchdowns through the air. So that's you know that's a pretty good night, right? Well, he also added one hundred ninety three on the ground and four more touchdowns rushing. So. Uh, Rabin County had seven touchdowns in the game, and Gunnar Stockton scored all of them, whether he was running the ball in or passing. So another great <laughs> night for him, no doubt about it. Man, I think, Chris, the thing about Gunner is that, and it sort of just shocked my my mind here when Muschamp said it earlier about Kyle Trask, sort of the, the off-rhythm throws and just being able to make something happen. Like some, some of these throws, yeah, it's, it's on rhythm. It's a little, you know, out of shotgun. It's like a one-step drop and the ball is out. But the ability to not just run the football, as you're seeing here, but to move around in the pocket, to keep his eyes downfield, to throw the ball off platform, to throw the ball on the run. And, dude, I would even say to throw the ball with zip when he needs it or with touch when he needs it is really just sort of almost off the charts for somebody that's still as young as he is because if you watch the sophomore film from last year, 
it was really more of the same of, of what we just saw in that clip from from this year. Yeah, he, he really does have, you know, the arm strength is something that you really look at, and that's something that, you know, Jay Bo Shaw, of course, Connor Shaw's brother and his coach, Stockton's coach at, at, in high school, you know, mentioned that, yeah, he gets the similarities, whether it's the size, the playing style, all those different types of things, but the arm strength for Stockton at the same level really stands out. Like you said, he can really throw with zip. He, he can throw the deep ball for sure. He can throw on the run, but his ability to stand back on, you know, the left hash and throw a comeback to the right side of the field, you know, right on the money and hit a guy in the numbers really stands out. It's not an easy throw to make at that level, and, and he can make it, but he's got the athleticism to scramble around, design runs, make things happen, almost 200 yards on the ground last week. So um, just a really, really good prospect for sure. It's somebody that's really intriguing as, as a guy to have in your offense. No doubt. Um Real quick, we had somebody mention Kevion Mullins in the chat. I actually agree. I think, Chris, sooner rather than later, Kevion gets some targets and probably shows he can help this offense. I think he's maybe a guy on top of the the receiver, Shy Xavier, who they're looking for more from. Um, the other guys around them, I mean, they're looking for more from. I think Mullins could potentially be that guy. And when you blitz as much as Florida does, sometimes you can get caught um, in some tough coverage situations on the tight ends. And one thing we're going to get into later on in the show later this week would be Colin Hill versus the Blitz in his career because there's some very interesting numbers there that I think could play in to this Saturday's matchup when you consider how much Todd Grantham likes to bring the heat and likes to sort of try to heat guys up in, you know, in, in the backfield. So, Chris, I uh, know tomorrow – We've got a special sort of programming announcement here, 11 a.m. tomorrow? Yeah, it'll be – well, the show will be at 11, and about 11.10, 11.15, we'll have uh, Zach Albaverde from GatorsTerritory.com, which is our Florida rival site. He's going to join us on the beat there in Gainesville and uh, sort of break down what's going on down there and, um, you know, give us sort of the scoop on, on Dan Mullen's program, some of the matchups, and a little bit more on the team. So really uh, – Really looking forward to that. Yeah, and um, again, that's a we'll start the show at 11 tomorrow, so it is earlier than normal. Obviously, if you can't join us then, the show will still be archived on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you listen or watch. It'll still be there. You can still watch in the afternoon. But if you want to catch us live and hang out and chat, that'll be 11, and then we'll obviously be back on, I would say, maybe normal time on Friday. We'll see. But we got to get out of here today. If you have any questions, go ahead, write them down, get them ready. We'll be back on tomorrow, back on Friday. And, uh, again, really appreciate the support. Appreciate everybody joining us. Um, again, we're brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com. He's Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell, and we will see you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.